0: simple and very clear. The first person to shout shotgun when you're within the side of the car gets the front seat. That's how the game's played. There are no exceptions for someone with a concussion.
1: And a special shout out to those of you who are worshiping with us online this morning. Today is a different kind of day. One of our core values here at West is that we are infinitely changing. So one thing that we try to implement is that every Sunday we Try to make the service look a little different We don't always succeed with that But but we do try and make that effort So today is what is called a no huddles day Traditionally on Labor Day weekend That is what we do uh, So there's no music with our band this morning We're going to show you some music in a little while Ask you to respond during that song But what happened is We are getting ready to celebrate our birthday As a faith community We started out as a campus of Williamson's Chapel. Eight years ago, uh, this was our Sunday before we launched. So eight years ago, about 40 people gathered in the parking lot right outside with uh, several hundred dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. And what we decided to do that day was go hit some of the subdivisions that were around here and give them donuts and just invite them to worship. We didn't knock on any doors, we just set the donuts on their front porch and then we left. We call that westing. And sort of like nesting, like women do before they have a baby We call it Westing And what we do is we get out into the community West is founded on being a no-huddles kind of church Meaning that uh, we do not sit around in this holy huddle We come together, we hopefully grow deeper in our faith And then we go do something about it And it's, it's fun and it's really powerful to watch how God uses our efforts So today is one of those days So instead of a lot of music and video you get a lot of me, and I know you're really excited about that, right? And then after that, you we are going to invite you to go do some westing on your own in teams or in small groups, and then hopefully have a good rest of the Labor Day weekend. Now, if you have your phone with you this morning, I would invite you to get it out. And I'm going to put up in just a second my phone number. It's the west number for me. And I want you to answer a question before you do that, though, I want to talk to you about what our theme has been and is today. It's called rule breakers. We've been studying and today we're going to finish it up. The rules that Jesus broke. Jesus was the true rule breaker of his time and he set some precedent for us that we need to be following as followers of Christ if you are a follower of Christ. And so this morning I want you to get out your phone and I want you to text me. What do you think is the number one or some of the things that really pushes people's buttons about religion? If you have friends that are not a part of a church or not a part of a faith community and they're done with religion and done with all that... What is it about religion and church that really pushes their buttons? Um, they're going to, my phone number is up there. As you watch this next music video, I want you to text me what is people's beef with religion. So let me know what you think. Thanks.
2: fix my
1: when they were you know, scribed for them by this group of people called the scribes. The Pharisees were the religious people that were like implementing the rules and leading the way with all the rules. But how it started out was there were like these 10 guiding principles, some pretty broad principles. We know them as the 10 commandments. And that was what the Jewish people lived by. And Jesus was Jewish. So he would have lived out those laws and, and those rules, but they couldn't all agree on what those rules should be and how they should should be lived out. And, and the Jewish people just felt like they were too broad, you know, like honor the Sabbath, you know, or thou shalt not covet. Well, what does it mean to covet? What does it mean to have idols? What does it mean to honor the Sabbath? And so this group of men came together and they started putting rules around it. And so here we are several thousand plus years later, and we have a lot of rules around religion. It's interesting the feedback that you gave me about what people's beef with religion is. Uh, Clearly, we have some consistent themes going on this morning, which says something about us all gathered here together and worshiping with us online as well. Uh, the, the themes are, number one, the most resounding answer that I got repeated over and over was judgment. The church is viewed as being judgmental and, and hypocritical. Now, say about being hypocritical, anytime you've got human beings together, there's always going to be some hypocrisy just because we aren't perfect, but the judge Judgmental Part does not Need to exist and and I'll Just be honest with you that was One of the founding principles of this Faith community of this church eight Years ago we said we were going to be Non-judgmental And so that has meant some challenging Things for us throughout time Because like we we struggle at Living at this in-between place between Like being and an organization I mean we are legit you know we Have some some books and some structure About us but also so, you know, Not becoming an institution Being a movement It is our calling to be a movement of Christ Being like the first evangelicals If I was to tell you that West Was an evangelical kind of church It might make your skin crawl just a little Because that word has a bad connotation And we're going to talk about that In just for, uh, just a few minutes But your answers were that People's beef with religion Their hot button about it Is that it is judgmental It is non-inclusive In so many levels not just, uh, you know, not just the LGBTQ plus community, but also uh, ethnically and socioeconomically and so many people with mental illness and and people that struggle with other things like that. Uh, the church is not always welcoming to that. And then there's also this theological principle that we struggle with too. And, and it turns people off to religion, which is why our theology, which is the study of God. It's why our theology is so important. Uh, people have this understanding that if God is all good and all powerful, then, you know, bad things shouldn't happen. And how do we reconcile that? How do we reconcile that God is all good and all knowing and all powerful. And then we have like this afternoon at four o'clock, we're going to celebrate the life of a man that uh, has been a prominent person in our community and the lacrosse community. And he was a part of the West community died uh, after just six months or seven months of battling uterine cancer at the age of 52. And two young children are losing their second dad, their first dad passed away. And so, you know, this afternoon will be tragic and it will be sad. This these past couple of weeks have been really sad and how do we reconcile that where is god in all that so guess what if we have a fear based theology then people end up making the conclusion and drawing the conclusion that they don't need god because why would i have a god that would let you know this this family's second dad pass away at such a young age You know it just doesn't make sense And and so those were the overarching principles That you shared And ideas that you shared this morning And frankly you have touched on Why we as a faith community As a church exist It's why we do things like today Instead of having a structured worship service With some songs at the beginning And a video and and then a message And then you send forth We're going to shake it up a little And you're going to see why in, in a little while with a video By a pastor named Harvey Carey, who is from Detroit, Michigan. And nine years ago, when some people from Williamson's Chapel and I went to the Willow Creek Leadership Summit, we heard Harvey Carey speak. And he talked about being a no-huddles kind of church. We knew that we were being called to be a missional movement, and that calling that we had nine years ago is still the calling that we have today. And it is an exciting time in the life of our church. I believe that God has led us to such a place as This And I do believe that the best is yet to come And so all that is wrapped up in the fact that we are going to look at this beatitude This principle this morning It's the last rule that Jesus was preaching to the people The blessed are the meek For they shall inherit the earth What does it mean to be meek? And perhaps the idea that we have about what it means to be meek Is totally different than what Jesus meant And so what if we learn to break the rule and break the idea of what it means to be meek in religion and to be submissive to religion? And what if we claim the gospel that Jesus Christ was preaching? You know, religion does have a bad rap. People want to be spiritual, but they don't want to be religious. And I'll just confess to you, I love the way that we encounter God here as West so very much. I wonder what will happen to me someday, hopefully many, 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 many years from now, when in the United Methodist system, they pick me up and they move me to another church. I have some anxiety around that. I have some fear because if I'm sitting in a, in a room of people and we're trying to make a decision about the color of the carpet, or how much we're going to spend on some landscaping. And that's where the majority of our interest and our time and our focus goes. It's, it's going to be a challenge for me. Here at West, we try to be about sharing the message of Jesus Christ in real and relevant and non-threatening ways. It's why today is like today, and it's why next Sunday I'm so excited to kick off our new message series called The Abyss as we celebrate our birthday. We're going to get back to having fun. That's one of our core values as well. We're going to do cool and interesting things in worship. It won't be like church. I can promise you that. But at the end of the day, when we gather together, we can encounter this amazing presence of God that's at work in our lives. And then that presence fills us and then we can go and we can be about our life. But our life is not created just for us. It's created for others. We are the hands and the feet and the eyes and the voice of Jesus Christ. He isn't here anymore. We are. And he has called and gifted and empowered us to go and be all of those things for our community. So, let's get back to this idea of West being an evangelical kind of church and you being an evangelist. Would that make you happy? Probably not. You see, when we think of this word evangelical or evangelist, we uh, think of this. Take a look. Okay. All right. Computer problems. That's all good. All right. Well, how about I act it out? Would that be good? Would any of I've always wanted to do that. Like, you turn or burn, you know? Like, have you clap if you've ever seen street preachers? Now, clap if you've ever gone up to one of them and talked about Jesus. Ha. Huh. Do you know, as a small child, I grew up in a Southern Baptist faith tradition. And every Wednesday night we would get together for this stuff as a, as a young person called girls in action or Royal ambassadors. They would not let the two genders, you know, work together because bad things might happen. So we had girls in action or we had Royal ambassadors and every Wednesday night they would sit us down in these rows of of pews and they would give us these little pamphlets and then guess what we would do? We would go knock on the doors and the people would open the doors and we would say, hi, my name's Andrea Fair and do you know Jesus? Sometimes they would invite us in, most of the time not. And if we got in, then the conversation took a whole new direction do you know if you're going to go to heaven or hell? You know, that's that evangelical idea. It's a misconception, actually, that we have going on in our minds that, that that's what being evangelical means or the street preachers, you know, that hold up the signs and, and, and shake the Bible at people and say, if you don't turn, you're going to burn. You better accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you're going to go to hell Well, guess what? That is not how Christianity first started. So let's look for just a second about how we got from from here with the Turner Burn and the street preachers from where the disciples were when they sat with Jesus on the mountainside that day and heard that verse in Matthew that we're talking about today. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth How did we get from there to here Well the word evangelical means To share or to spread the good news To be good news bearers So evangelism The word evangelism means Nothing more than just to share the good news Now there were some some ideas That Jesus taught That the good news was And if the computer is working Yay? Okay, good. Now let's move on from that and give me the bullet points. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Here were the ideas that Jesus taught the people. Racial and ethnic reconciliation, physical and emotional healing, hope against injustice, power against tyranny and dark spiritual forces, hope for an afterlife, And pure acceptance by God. And guys, if y'all just leave that up there. I want us to, to think about this for a minute. Racial and ethnic reconciliation. And actually, if we were going to extrapolate that even more. It would say and sexual orientation reconciliation. Because the church needs to be about that. Physical and emotional healing. Hope against injustice. Power against tyranny and dark spiritual forces, hope for an afterlife, and pure acceptance by God. That's what Jesus was all about. Bottom line. The rules that he broke were trying to get people to focus on the people and loving the people instead of the institution and the right and the wrong. Somehow the church has become more focused on who we can keep out because they're not doing things the right way Instead of worried about how we can offer the kingdom of God and usher the kingdom of God into their lives here and now. And notice I didn't say get people into the building because that's not what the church is about either. Our role, our job as Christ followers is to take those principles that we just looked at and and carry them to the people. Jesus was on the move. He did not sit in one location every Sabbath morning, which would have been Saturday for them, and expect all the people to pour in. He went to where they were, and that's what we're called to do. That's evangelism. That's spreading the good news. So how did we get from that? I mean, hope for an afterlife, that's a pretty beautiful promise, right? How did we get from that to now it being hypocritical and judgmental and exclusive and worried about the wrongs? And not loving people, the very things that you shared with me just now that are the deal breakers for people and why they don't want to be a part of a church. Well, see, what happened is in the early 1900s, there was this huge push against the, the fundamentals of Christian faith. There was a, a group of people that started challenging things like the virgin birth, the bodily resurrection, you know, like did the body of Jesus actually resurrect from the dead? And then the whole idea and concept That Jesus was divine and human Those were the three fundamental truths of Christianity That people started to really challenge and question And so over time Theologians and scholars They were able to, you know, prove That those three fundamental truths Did need to indeed be fundamental truths But what happens when we get scared? Have you ever noticed human nature when we get intimidated or we get scared by something, we draw inward even more and we hold on more tightly to that which we already have because we are so uncertain of what is yet to be. And that's what happened with the religious leaders. There were some phenomenal religious leaders very well known back then in the early 1900s and the mid-1900s that they held on to these fundamental doctrines and truths. And then they started preaching and teaching differently. Instead of going back to the way that Jesus taught and Jesus ministered with the people, loving them, not judging them and not condemning them. That's what the church started to look like. And perhaps that's the church that many of us are familiar with today. They started preaching that whole turn and burn theology. It was a fear-based theology. You better have some life insurance and not the kind that pays out with a physical monetary amount when you die. You better know where your soul is going to be. You better be saved. That's what they started to preach. They used the church and the platform of the church to start teaching moral principles that were very, very inward and linear instead of outward and missional and broad. I don't know about you, but I've heard so many sermons on you shouldn't drink alcohol And you better not have premarital sex and gambling. mm -mm, Don't play poker. Don't do any of those things. You know the joke about, you know, the, the Baptist and the Methodist. One will speak to you in the liquor store and the other one will not. I'm glad you've heard that and you aren't throwing things at me right now. I used to always, as a little girl, think it was odd that when we went back to where I was born, where my family was originally from before my mom died, my dad would always go to this place called the ABC Store in Mebon. Now, we lived in Granite Falls. Mebon was, you know, about three hours away back then. So uh, we would stop at this store called the ABC Store. And from being a small child, I've always liked to shop. So I would want to know why I couldn't get out and go with him. To the ABC store. And then he would come out with this brown bag and it always looked the same, and there was, you know, no logo or anything on the front. I was fascinated. And finally, years later, nobody'd ever tell me the truth. Years later, I'm like, okay, so what's the deal? I asked somebody else, and they're like, it's liquor. I said, Well, what do you what do you mean? And they're like, It's you you can't ever tell anyone that your father does that. I'm like, What do you why? What's well, a sin? Now, you know what? For some of us, it is. Alcohol is a sin. A sin is that which comes in between us and God. But the last time I checked, and this is where some of my contemporaries and I disagree on a few things, a few fundamental things. You know, sin, in my opinion, is between you and God. And what is a sin for you may not be a sin for me. I can consume some alcohol in moderation and be okay. I have some dear friends that they cannot. My issue is food, not alcohol. Alcohol is a, uh, food is a sin for me, probably not for you. So see, we come at this idea of sin as that which separates us from God. and, And when we start focusing on that and we start telling everybody else what their sin is, and we quit worrying about ourselves, that judgmental part of religion comes out of us. And we end up being holier-than-thou Christians. And we do turn people away from Jesus Christ. That is why we do things very intentionally here. And we have a partnership with Ghostface Brewery. Again, we preach moderation. But we also recognize that as a society and uh, that moderation is okay. It doesn't necessarily impede our relationship with God. It says something when a church... Has a worship experience in a bar It is who we are It says something when a church Has a spiritual opportunity And experience around yoga That's a little too new age For many people What do you mean that's, that's a worship experience Absolutely it's a worship experience Do people come together and, and experience the presence of God Yes, in a group setting Yes, it's worship so in just a little while we're going to go give away coupons for free yoga for a free experience at, at Ghostface. And we also will promote our next message series because we believe that something transformational and life-changing happens when we love Jesus Christ. So I would just challenge us to remember that that rule that Jesus taught, "Blessed are the meek." Do you know what it means to be meek? It doesn't mean to be spineless and self-effacing. It means to be humble to a point where you do not have to assert that you are right. It means to have absolute humility and recognize that there is a world far greater and far more broad than anything we could ever understand. And that we don't need to be the, the judge and the jury. We need to leave that to God. We need to leave room for people to breathe and people to encounter the living presence of the Holy Spirit and the transformation that comes with that. Blessed are the meek for they inherit the earth. That's what we're called to be about as a church. And we're eight years old and we need eight more years at least living out like that in our community so that we can usher in the kingdom of God. I want you to take a look at this video by Harvey Carey. He is the pastor that I told you about in Detroit, Michigan. And he, he preaches that it's just time. It's time to do church and be church differently. This was what inspired us eight years ago and it is what inspires us today. So take a look.
0: Well, any of you all that have uh, difficulty staying awake, This will not occur in the next few moments. Um, I am your espresso. No cream, no sugar. And so uh, just uh, bear with us in the next few moments as I believe God will uh, challenge us and speak to our hearts. The Word of God shares something out of the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 4, that I want to use as a backdrop for our talk and our time together. Uh, Ephesians, chapter 4, beginning at verse 11. Reading from the NIV, it says... It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. And then in verse 16, it says, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So. When leaders realize that their primary goal is to equip the body, they become ferociously intent on equipping the body. And what we've done, you all, is that we don't make any excuses for realizing that God's people must be equipped. Now, uh, I-, I thought that I would have a black church because I'm, uh, by the way, I'm black. And, uh, and I've been black my whole whole life as far as I remember. And so you all, I assume, going to Detroit, Michigan, which is a predominantly African-American city, that being a black pastor and a black city means a black church. But God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And so, and listen, please understand that when I say multicultural, I just don't mean two, two white people. Because usually people say, we got two, two black people. We're multi-ethnic. Not at all. Not at all. Every single week, God, for some reason, allows us to experience unbelievable growth continually happening multiculturally. And know this. The people that are coming to us, many of them don't even come to Detroit to even watch a Red Wings game or even go downtown to see a Detroit Tigers game. But many of them not only come to worship, but they join the church. And several families have actually moved into the community and relocated their families because of the work that God is doing. You can't tell me what a church that equips people will not do to see change. But realize the challenge. The challenge comes when we have to realize that the job is on us as leaders to make sure that we equip people. What do you do when you get people who've never evangelized? What do you do with people who've never gone into the inner city and done anything? Number one, you guys, you got to realize members must take ownership for the work. Members must take ownership for the work. It is not the role of senior leadership to take ownership only. It's not the the role of staff members to take uh, membership or take the leadership only or the ownership, but it's also the members themselves that must have ownership of the work. And the way you do that, you all, is to genuinely engage them in the work, to not let them off the hook, but to give them the opportunity to always be connected. You all, we, uh, we have a thing that we uh, have developed that on Sunday mornings at our church, that is the time that we mobilize. Imagine this scenario. Imagine a final game, whether it be a, a, a soccer game. Uh, those of you that are uh, internationally, uh, uh, you know, watching, uh, you guys are big with soccer here. We play football with the helmets and the different stuff. And so it's not the real football like you guys we know, but it's our version But imagine that big game, whatever that big game is, and you get tickets to that big game, all right? Now, the tickets that you paid were extremely expensive to get in. You get into the game, and when you get in the game, you sit in your seat. You're excited because you paid so much money, such a big price to see the game. And the team comes out. I mean, there's fanfare, there's noise, there's clapping. And the team comes out, and they get in the huddle. And they stay in the huddle for five minutes, They stay in the huddle for 15 minutes. They stay in the huddle for 45 minutes. They stay in the huddle for an hour. Then they break and they go home. Somebody is about to play something if I paid that much of a price. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But every Sunday, all he watches are people who huddle. We huddle at 7 in the morning. We huddle at 11. We come back for midweek huddles. And we never break and play the game. God has called us to not be people that huddle, but those that break and go and play the game. So that's
1: why we do what we do periodically. That's why on Sunday mornings sometimes there's no music. And There's just a message. Have you ever thought about what we look like from the perspective of the people that are done with God and done with religion and done with the church? We look like a bunch of holy people that sit around in a huddle every Sunday morning. We have to break out of that holy huddle, and that's what we exist to do. The way that we exist to do it is by following Jesus' principles and teachings and the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful. We try really hard to look at things from other people's eyes instead of our own. And blessed are the meek, where we realize that we need to have enough humility to acknowledge that maybe, maybe people see God and faith in a different way than we do. And maybe there's so much that we could learn from them Instead of insisting that our way is the absolute right way. In a few weeks, I have the opportunity to go and visit with the leaders of a Hindu temple, a Buddhist temple, a Jewish synagogue, and interview each of them about their faith. And then in November, that's going to be our message series. We're going to call it Coexist, and we're going to see what we can learn about them and their perspective of Jesus Christ. And then where does Christianity Coincide with what they believe. Some of my colleagues have told me, well, that's pretty gutsy. I'd be ridden out on a rail if I did a message about Hinduism or Buddhism. I said, well, that's one of the beautiful things about West. They ask for it, they want to learn. You want to learn. Thank you for investing in this vision. Next Sunday, we will celebrate eight years. It's been a crazy, wild ride. But guess what? We're not a baby anymore. We're like starting elementary school. We get to be the hands and the feet. We get to be the meek. And it's because of you. It's because of your willingness to do things differently and and let, like today, be great worship. So from the bottom of my heart, I really mean it when I say thank you, because without you, there wouldn't be a West. Without you, this afternoon at 4 o'clock, there wouldn't be a faith community that is going to surround this family with loving presence and peace. Because they weren't interested in a normal kind of church. They chose West on purpose. Yesterday, as I met with Sherlina and we put the, the finishing parts and pieces into the service, I asked the question that I often ask before a celebration of life or a wedding. So you want me to wear my preacher robe, right? You know, the black thing looks sort of like a judge. I feel important when I wear it, just in case you ever need to, to know that little detail. And I really want my doctorate stripes on the sleeve, but that's another issue. Um, I said, you want me to wear my preacher robe, right? And she sort of shook her head. She said, well, no. I said, oh, okay, like a black dress or something. And she shook her head again. And she said, Eric would want you to wear jeans. And like I could feel my Southern Baptist heritage like, you know, clenching my stomach. And I, I said, jeans, really? And she said, He loved West, and he loved what West stood for, non-threatening, right? He would want you to show up today just like you showed up every Sunday morning. I was convicted by her words and reminded that it's not about appearances. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let us pray. Gracious God, those principles may have been taught so many thousand years ago, but they are still alive and well and things we need to hold on to. Help us to see that we are called to be the rule breakers. Help us to see that the way that we love and the way that we go and the way that we serve, it is through our actions, not our our words, that we convey our love of you. Thank you for the opportunity to do that. And we offer you ourselves in Christ's name. Amen. So here's what the rest of today looks like in just a minute. And if you're not comfortable with one part of it, we have another part of it for you. And if you are worshiping with us online, we invite you just to invite people to west and to worship online. Our worshiping online community is just as vital and vibrant to us. And we will mail you one of these. If you will chat with the person in the window, we have 200 of these out there. 50 are for you to take to give to a friend that may be just toying with the idea of coming to church. And guess what? Invite people to worship online before they ever come in person. Our online experience is is great. And we have so many volunteers that do such a good job at making it excellent. From the music to the way that we do the production. I invite you to invite people to check us out online first. And then Brad Rano... Is one of our amazing staff people He is out there And we have about 20 of these We are going to go west The Water Oak subdivision You have instructions on the second page The third page is a numbered map And the front tells you Like we need you to take seven of these And just go sit them on the doorstep We do not want you to knock on any door that will wig them out and wig you out equally as much. We are not a church that knocks on doors. But we are a church that breaks out of a huddle and says, hey, on Sunday morning, instead of sitting in our little holy space, we went and we gave things away. We have about 20 of these. The maximum number of houses is 10. Grab your family or grab some friends. Go grab one of these. Grab a West bag. Put these in there. And then go West. Because I believe and we believe that the message that we're sharing is worth sharing. Thank you for being here in worship today. Go in peace. Amen.